And good afternoon. This is Riggs Eckleberry, and we are once again on Waters of New Gold. And I've got um, Tom Marchesello, and then Dan Early is lurking in the background, uh, and he's he's passing the uh, webcam test right now. But um, Tom, show us what's that on on the wall there, right next to you, to your left. Oh, that's my Penn State Stadium. 110,000 people strong, baby, white out. So my wife got this for me for my birthday. I thought it was pretty sick. I, I'm a big Penn State fan. What are you going to do? Well, I have nostalgia for full stadiums because we're not going to see those for a while. I know. It's kind of weird, right? I'm like getting used to this weird new life of Corona afterlife. It's like, blah. <laughs> Indeed so. This is, what, this is what COVID has done to the... Uh, clean shaven, relatively clean shaven, Dan Early. Um, and we're waiting to see. How, <laughs> we're waiting to see how long it will grow, because <laughs> it's it's interesting. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a trio here. Top left uh, is Tom Marchesello, Chief Operating Officer. At the bottom, depending how your screen's laid out, is Dan Early, our Chief Engineer. Otherwise, it's uh, easy top. Sorry. Yeah, or, or he's <laughs> you know, just gonna, Captain, she cannot handle it. The lithium crystals, they cannot do it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to, without further ado, I'm going to cut to our, um, our slideshow and, uh, and then we'll get into a very interesting call today. And as people are still joining us, I'm going to, nevertheless, I'm going to start because that's how we roll. All right, what is new gold? Helping you thrive in the world's only vital, scarce, and recession-proof market. It is Thursday, July 9th, and things are moving along in this summer. I'm speaking to you now from Florida. We've, we've made our move, and uh, I'm still surrounded by boxes. This is why I've got a nice <laughs> virtual screen behind me, because it's kind of chaotic. Um, now, of course, I'm going to give you guys the guys and gals the um, disclaimers, of course, that we're not gods, although we try very hard, and that uh, the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, they, they basically put our reports up. And by the way, we've come out with both our annual report and the first quarter report. And uh, may I add that we have some great news for the quarter, which was that um, numbers were up. And um, so Q1 was well over a million dollars compared to Q1 of 2019, which was a little bit under a million dollars. So that was good news, and that's that's a good job to you and your team, Tom. Thanks. The guys worked hard. They did indeed. So I really should have a graph up, but I don't. But what we're going to go right into is something technical. The Ponsta. So, Ponsta. You know, uh, Tom, I'm going to let you take over. So I'm going to turn off the share and let you take over and run a little deck. This is a shortened version of the big geek, water geek deck. But this is a new product that is revolutionary. Hey, it's the Pondster. The Pond Monster. Yes. I like it. So, I like it. I know. so yes, I actually drew it myself by hand. It's true. Yeah, I, I, I drew it purple and pink because it represents the whole concept of recycling water, which you'll often see purple pipe or pink pipe out there in the irrigation world. You know, so... It's, it's owed to the whole concept of pond water recycling. And, uh, you know, I say that affectionately because there's tons and tons and tons of these ponds everywhere. 
And what you'll notice is no matter where you go, if you, especially in the south, if you're from Florida or Texas or wherever, you'll see these big, gigantic open pond lagoons all the time with water sitting on them. And you're thinking to yourself, hey, can I swim in that? Can I drink that? You know, is that clean or not? Like it's kind of circulating through your head. And what you'll notice in most of the industry is that pond water gets recycled. Pond water does get cleaned. It gets treated, whether it's chlorine or aeration, all these other things. But then there's other wonderful situations where ponds are used as wastewater cisterns. Ponds are used as holding tanks. Ponds are used in industrial agriculture or even sewage treatment. And you start thinking, going, wait, there's actually more ponds that contain more than just some rainwater. There's other stuff floating around in these ponds. And so sometimes you'll get a situation where we encountered where there's these things called mobile home parks in the south, which literally just dump their raw wastewater into a pond that sits out in the back 40 of these mobile home parks. And it's pretty nasty actually, and it's really not treated. And this is a bit of a throwback to the years ago treatment of like having septic tanks and open pond aeration, where essentially you're allowed to do this stuff for a while. But with new laws and new regulations coming about, there's a lot more crackdown on that industry's, you know, using the pond as a sewage treatment facility. And now you really do have to put an on-site treatment uh, capability on that. So uh, working with Dan and the team, you know, we came up with you know, concepts around stuff we already did, which is a mobile containerized treatment idea for this, because we thought, well, rather than having this, this dirty little mess out there with the smelly brown pond, uh, you, know, you can clean it up and meet regulatory requirements and do a better job. So thus comes the Pondster, which is an MBR, a uh, membrane bioreactor. And it uses some really uh, ingenious, you know, organic and uh, bio-capable uh, organisms to eat the effluent. And that's what it does. It just eats effluent all day long. Mm -mm, delicious. And basically turns that uh, brown water into much less brown water, uh, hopefully clear, clean, less stinky water. And uh, Dan and the team did some uh, beautiful CAD update drawings with our little pondster in a uh, cool enclosure, containerized, ready to just, you know, drive in and drop off and plug in the connections. And, you know, you toss the hose in the lake and let it go. So that's essentially how this thing works. And it, it, uh, it's kind of built for the concept of about an acre wide pond generally speaking, and it should uh, work pretty good. And, you know, Dan would be much more astute to describe the mechanics of how a bioreactor works and MBR. So I'll leave that part to him. But uh, you get the general gist of how, it, how it's set up to work. I'll finish my share with just how does an MBR work, because we, we talked about it. And as we said, it's a biological treatment methodology and it really allows for clarification one process. So when you take that sticky brown water and you run it through the MBR uh, methodologies, it captures all the dirty little molecules in there and grabs them and then separates the nice clean water from the, the dirty stuff and allows you to basically biologically uh, do that clarification and returns the nice clean water back to the pond so that it basically freshens up the pond. Also produces, lets the pond be a lot healthier, a lot more oxygen in it, a lot more able to use the natural processes that allow nature to you know clean those things up it is a uh, it's a really cool thing and you know it's something we can do at scale or in small batches and it's very cost efficient and uh, you know I think uh, that just gets into 
we do it because we're awesome. <laughs> and uh, I really do think it's a, it's kind of a game changer for us. I'm, I'm excited about this one that we're doing for the mobile home park environment. And then obviously the, the Pondster has other applications and other verticals because we'll be able to do a very similar concept, you know, for this whole roll and roll out deployment model. And uh, that's, that's about where we're at. So I will say thanks and you can go back to Dan. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Rich. Geeks. Geekville. Now this one, this one is for the geeks in the audience. For all you engineers out there that rock the world, this is for you. So, um, so Tom did a good job. Tom did an excellent job of describing the membrane bioreactor, which is, it is one of our leading technologies that we use for wastewater treatment. Uh, it does accomplish liquid solids clarification in a single step process. It is a biological process. Um, a lot of things that we do uh, on the modular water equipment side is, um, is wastewater treatment related projects and living machines. The key term is a living machine. Uh, biological treatment is extremely efficient. Uh, when we're able to leverage uh, the biological aspects and naturally occurring bacterial capabilities that exist in the environment, it gives us the ability to build machines that can do really phenomenal things. So uh, Tom described our, the membrane bioreactor, which is a living machine that uses the ultrafiltration liquid solids separation technology. That allows us to uh, reuse water for a whole lot of different things. What we have on the screen in front of you tonight is a variant of the Ponster. Uh, this one is designed for lagoon systems, uh, wasteland systems, where you want to augment or provide some form of a supplemental treatment process uh, where you might not be able to, to achieve all of your treatment with an existing lagoon system. So I'm gonna zoom in so everybody can see this thing a little closer. So in this instance right here, this, uh, this system, um, it's a new product that we've created. Uh, we have about three different versions of this. This one that you're looking at on the screen is rated at 30,000 gallons per day. Uh, it's not a big flow, but uh, with the modular water systems product lines, we're all about decentralization and decentralization. You typically see smaller treatment systems and smaller applications, and that's exactly what we have uh, that we're showing to you tonight. So to give you some sense of what the dimensions are, uh, this, is, uh, this is a structurally reinforced thermoplastic box. It's not all that big. Um, it's about 16 and a half feet long. It is about five feet tall, and it's about eight and a half feet wide. So it's uh, fairly small. It's, uh, it's not a very big system. Uh, it does have inside of it a, uh, a really nifty enclosed equipment room. Uh, this truly is what we consider a plug and play technology. So this system where it's made out of structural plastic, it's corrosion resistant, uh, it's designed to receive water from the pond. It's pumped through into the bioreactor chamber. And that would be this space that you would see in the cutout right here. And so this, uh, this system right here utilizes a different version of a living machine. We are using a, what we refer, refer to as a stationary fixed film. Um, what is really nifty about this uh, variation of the Ponster treatment system is that we're using a, an extremely porous ceramic media which fosters the development of a very robust, highly capable biofilm. That's just a fancy word for saying sticky bacteria, uh, natural microorganisms that would live within the porous media. And so we will, we will take and pump our water through this wastewater treatment uh, facility, through this, the Ponster unit. It's under aeration. Uh, so we have diffused aeration systems that are underway providing atmospheric oxygen. We have nutrients in the form of the wastewater pollutants that are in the lagoon. 
And when we put the biofilm technology in the reactor, as you see it there on the screen, we're just per providing a perfect environment for the biology and for the bacteria to provide the wastewater treatment process. And what it does, it consumes the carbon. It oxidizes the carbon by natural metabolic activity. It will consume and readily address uh, nutrients in the form of nitrogen and phosphorus. Uh, this is one of the beautiful things about a very robust next order type biofilm process. Um, so that, that is a quick overview of what this system is designed to do. Very energy efficient uh, for a 30,000 gallon per day process. Our peak instant power demand would be about one kilowatt of total power at any wow. time. So it's very, very energy efficient. Uh, Thank you. That's amazing. All about durability. So there you go, rigs, rigs, Tom. That is uh, that's the uh, the nerdy term of the day. It's Ponster and biofilm. So uh, <laughs> back over to you. Well, the, there's a secret sauce in here, which is a mesh of a very special ceramic that is material that uh, you control the source, and it's actually trade secret, uh, and it makes this whole thing extremely efficient. Am I right? That is correct. Uh, that is correct. It's a process that I've been working on with, uh, with several strategic partners of ours. I've uh, been working on this now for about four or five years. And uh, having been in the industry now for about 20 years, a little bit over 25, uh, 22, 22 years now in the water industry, in the wastewater industry, this is a technology that has never had its application before. It, this is the next generation. This is a, a true game changer. This is a, a market disruptor capa uh, technology capability. I'm very very excited about what we're about to do with this technology. So basically for about 10 light bulbs, you, uh, you can just keep cleaning 30,000 gallons a day, basically. That is correct. Yep, that's a good analogy. 10, 10 light bulbs would be generally equivalent to the power demand that we would use to treat 30,000 gallons per day. Scary good. Thank you. That's, that is truly a breakthrough. So we're actually moving into application on this and I wanted to give you all a, an update because one of these Ponster units is actually, as you know, going literally into, it's going into the world in a location in Troy, Alabama. And um, so I'm going to go ahead and show you a spreadsheet with the latest rental model. I've anonymized it so we don't have to protect the guilty, but this is now a mobile home park rental model. It's our pilot number two in the investor water marketplace lab. And so if I look here at this spreadsheet, and I'm going to go ahead and get rid of the ribbon here. There we go. So what do we have here? This is, by the way, a developmental model. Do not take this as red. But in, remember in the first one, the pool preserver, that was us doing our own little financial magic. We did a deal, basically, and we had no investor. We made it happen by ourselves with both cash and stock. This is the next step where um, we're, we're moving towards a true rental model where a machine goes out and then gets uh, rotated. But the good part is, is that we're starting with a three-year commitment by the first end user so that we have at least have three years of stability. So if we, and as you can see, there's no downtime for years one through three because we have a contractual lock from that end user. But then that end user goes away um, they do have an opportunity to buy that, and I'll show you that in a second. And once they go away, we're going to start putting in a circulation as a fleet machine. And if we look over here at the, the months, 
uh, right all the way down here, uh, the last, the 11th month of year four, we lose, a year, we lose a month. We're just saying, hey, there's going to be a month of downtime out of the 12th in both years four and five when we take a machine back, find a new trailer park to put it in and so forth. So that means that we're, we're creating a, a downtime reserve. We're taking money off the table so that we allocate for it. Now, here's what the investor's looking at. The equipment that we just discussed, the 30,000 gallon unit, is about $50,000, but that is a raw cost that Origin Clear has negotiated from a provider. And to that is that uh, Origin Clear's management fee, which really you know, should be 20%, but you know, we're, we're still playing with that. What we want to make sure is that it works, that things work out for everybody. If this is 20%, then we have to fiddle a little bit with some of the numbers. I think we have it negotiated. There we go. That, that pulls it together. Okay. So what does this look like? For the full-term rental, the investor is seeing, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this investor back that little upfront because we're nice guys. So now the investor is paying essentially what we negotiated the price for, and we're taking just the 20% on the back end. Okay. But now... Month by month, here it goes. And at the end of five years, the investor has made $81,000 and we've made 20, which is, that's the power of a life cycle, this continuing money. Now the fund doesn't stop at five years for us. This is the magic that I'm gonna show you in a minute. Internal rate of return. What that basically means is, is if you take 50, negative 50, and you add 16,000 to it, you get, you're still making negative 67%. But if you go ahead and you start stacking these up, eventually this turns into, eventually this turns into right here, this is uh, roughly $50,000, which means we're right there at the break even in three years. Four years, four and five are gravy. So total rate of return basically stacks the gains of each year against the prior year. So the fifth year you see stacks them all together. That's kind of how it works. Now, here's the real magic. Over here, the investor continues to own the, 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 the item. So therefore, the investor can take the first year accelerated depreciation. They can depreciate, that is, take uh, advantage in, in the taxation system of the full cost of that system year one. And here it is being paid for. And sure enough, it results in a much higher yield. We had an annual yield of 21% per year here. Well, now it's 32%. And overall ends up being about 28%. So that is, and the internal rate of return goes from 19% to 36%, which is very rich indeed. So this is the kind of stuff we like. Uh, moving forward, let's say the investor, sorry, the end user has the right to buy this out at the end of year three. This, this particular end user that is, that is prepared to commit to three years of, of lease, they can purchase at the end of three years. Well, we still make money, not quite as much, but still tax advantage 28%, even after paying back the IRS for part of the cost there. So things do work out here and we just turn it over. Now, here's the magic. We believe that, see the investor now has made all his or her money in five years and is happy. And now has fully depreciated the unit, et cetera. And now Origin Clear receives that unit for a dollar. This unit that Dan has designed has a 25 to 30 year life cycle. 
So if we can last through five years of making money, good money, we can actually end up with having fleets at the end. And when we go to lease out or rent out a unit with zero cost basis, how profitable is that? I had a business in the 80s where I was computerizing all these businesses in New York City, and it was really tough. It was each, each one of them was a whole new thing, and it was very discouraging. And I wound up giving the business to my best salesman. Well, he became a millionaire off of what? The continuing life cycle of all those customers that I created in New York in the 80s. Because, and he literally told me a few years later, I still have the, some of the customers you got me back in the 80s. So if you can just stay with customers, it develops an amazing uh, return on investment with completely uh, lost expense. So that becomes really interesting. Now, as you notice, there's no market here, right? There's no quote unquote market because what we're doing is origin clear. We're doing this for ourselves. We're, this is a gimme for origin clear. We are being the water company and also we're, we're working, we're being the quote unquote property manager for the investor. And we're also making sure that the machine works separately. There is a service contract way over here that is built separately to the end user. And by the way, that's way too much. I need to adjust that big time. There we go. Thank you. That's more like it. So there's cash being paid for service. It's not a high amount of money because this is very low maintenance type item, uh, changing the occasional um, consumable and so forth. Uh, this does nothing but sweeten up the returns for our investor. Um, and I guarantee you that a five-year IRR that's in the high 20s, let alone the 30% range, regardless of tax, Rick Keller will tell you this is pretty, pretty amazing. Now you can tell I'm still fiddling with things. I'm still moving things around. We've not presented this. We've, we've presented a, a number to the end user, uh, but the investor will be seeing this on Monday and we're putting in the final touches on it. So you're seeing this as it is in progress. So remember it is a developmental model. Okay, so I'm going to save this and uh, we are going to go into the next thing, which is, you know, I was mentioning, by the way, um, how we did in the first quarter and here it is. We did really well compared to last year. Last year, Q1 was 742000 This year, it was a million dollars. Tom, well done to you and your team. Gross profit was significant and we go all the way down. Here's the amazing part. We actually had a huge net income, $21 million. Well, that's, that's the magic of, of, of accounting because uh, that was just some black magic that occurred. And it really was because of some changes in the conversion of debt, whatever. It, these are numbers that, that we just call black magic. So we like to concentrate more on the upper numbers here because that reflects what we're actually getting done. We still have some loss from operations. And why is that? That is because we're doing things like developing this marketplace. And um, just like anybody else who's doing a zero to one, that is there was nothing before and now there's something like Airbnb, Uber, Tesla versus a one plus, right? A one plus is there was already something there and I make another one of them. And um, that's all the car companies in the world copied each other and so forth. You're always expected to make money much earlier, but when you're making something new, that's when you have to invest. Okay, so 
so I'm done with that part. And I just wanted to also mention that we have a shareholder letter going out uh, very shortly and with an excellent article that appeared in the Boca Raton. And um, those of you who are on the shareholder list will be receiving this as well as an update from me. And um, in fact, here it is. This update gets into all the cool stuff, talking about how 2020 has changed everything. Things are better than they were in 1918, but still not great. The water industry is stable, needs more people, needs to do a better job because we need to prevent public health problems. And then I talk about what's been happening in-house, how we're going to help the water industry expand. And that's where I talk about, for the first time, broadly, about this marketplace, the three labs that we're doing. We're on number two right now. And how you could invest in the offering. And imagine you're an investor in the company that pioneered this. Well, actually, you are. You helped us make it happen, so give yourself a hand. So uh, that's going out to uh, a bit over 8,000 people, and uh, it will also be on the website, and it will be in the transcript of this briefing on originclear.com slash CEO. Well, we're at uh, 8.31 now, and I wanted to get into a really, really important next topic, which is your survival and mine. My friend Roger James Hamilton uh, has a show called Entrepreneur TV, and I strongly recommend that you subscribe to it on YouTube. He wants to talk to us about how, oh, and just real fast before we go on, I, we have a question here whether the Ponster can be patented. And the answer is, is that we are relying uh, more on trade secrets for it. Um, as we've been disclosing in our annual reports, we've begun to believe that patents are a great way for actors like China to game, game the whole show. And so we've moved over to uh, trade secrets. We have the basic license uh, patents that we licensed from Dan Early, but these derivative products we're maintaining under uh, trade secret. Okay, so back to Roger James Hamilton. And when is the dollar crash happening? How and why is the dollar crash happening? And the five things you can do for protection and profit as a result of this crash. So first of all, he points out that the VIX, which is the volatility index, is sky high. Now this is really important because volatility is a very dangerous indicator. The last two weeks have seen volatility go sky high. That tells us that the stock market is not in a great place. And if I were you, I would take a very, I'd be investing things like gold, not, not um, whatever, right? Not Procter & Gamble. Again, I, I don't give stock advice, but that's, that's what he's pointing to. So what does that mean? Well, Stephen Roach, Asia expert, tells us that a dollar crash is virtually inevitable. So with the stock market potentially crashing, we also have a dollar crash coming along. And that is a very dangerous thing. As he says, the national savings rate is probably going to go deeper into negative territory. So we're going to save less and less because Americans have not been making money. And also we've been isolating ourselves away from globalization and that he thinks is a bad thing. I personally think that it's a good thing that we're starting to manufacture more in the United States, that we're less dependent, but that's a matter of opinion. Ray Dalio says cash is trash. Who is Ray Dalio? He's only the most successful hedge fund partner in the world. He's got the largest hedge fund. He is personally worth $16 billion. Why is he saying cash is trash? Well, we'll talk about that some more. So I'm taking you quickly through his YouTube, which I will give you a link to in a bit. Let's talk a little bit about the dollar. 
we have the dollars basically going right there down to the bottom. Essentially, what was worth $100 is now worth less than a dollar today. So we are right there. In fact, ever since 2008 was the last gasp of the, the dollar value. You could argue that really it started with the post-war Bretton Woods Agreement, which put in place what's called the New World Order today. Ray Dalio says this, all reserve currencies in the past have ceased to be reserve currencies, often coming to traumatic ends for the countries that enjoyed this special privilege. So why the dollar will decline, but how will it change the world, et cetera? And then he gets into these very interesting things about great empires. I'm not gonna go too deeply into it, but look at, look at China. So the bright blue there is the US, declining since the early 50s in terms of relative standing. The United Kingdom fell as the US was rising. The United Kingdom was bankrupted by World War I and New York, uh, Wall Street took over. And um, we have some other players like the Netherlands, which basically has been dying since 1650. But we really see the rise of China from a very deep trough back in 1950. So that's, that indicates quite a bit to me. All right. And then the various factors that, that, that talk about rise and decline, for example. And the last to go, well, the last to go is financial center, but also reserve status is, remains high for a long time. So basically reserve status, the status of a currency as a world's reserve is the last to die. And when it does, it's pretty much toast for the rest. And this is what happens is you start out with hard money on the left, maximizes credibility, minimizes credit. So it's very credible, but it's very hard to borrow against. And that tends to limit an economy. So then you go to claims on hard money. I mean, somebody gives you a note that says, I'm a banker and I've got a bunch of gold. And here's a note that says you've got X amount of gold. And, um, then it turns into type three, which is fiat money. Fiat means let it be, uh, make it so, as, as you would say in Star Trek, make it so money. You can make as much as you want. Maximizes credit, minimizes credibility. That's what we have today. Where are we going? Back to hard money. Okay, printing and devaluing money is the easiest way out of a debt crisis. You are seeing these things now in response to the sending out of large amounts of money, all currencies have been devalued or died. Of the roughly 750 currencies that have existed since 1700, only about 20% remain, and all have been devalued. This is another very interesting one about how the U.S. basically is already devalued as a currency, because we saw back in 17, well, just about 1790, the, the collapse of the Dutch Republic, well, you could say that we've, we've basically collapsed as of the inflationary 70s, but we remain this reserve currency. So not gonna get into that, large and growing debts, et cetera. You now know the drill. This is the typical big cycle. You have a new world order that then grows, 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 and then gets a debt dust and goes into a new, another new world order, the next new world order. And what is it? China. China is, as I've discussed before on the show, using its digital currency to compete with US dollars. It's basically a Chinese Bitcoin that they will control. And believe me, it's powerful because there's zero cost in sending it around. They're already piloting it in a couple provinces in China. So here's a simplified representation. The Netherlands had a 200-year life cycle, similar for Great Britain, and similar for the US and now we have this, the lines will cross, we believe. 
what you can do. And with that, I'm going to actually play Roger James Hamilton's video because I think that's very, very telling. As a digital currency, it can bypass banks. It can be passed directly from one person to another and be fully tracked. It has zero transaction costs and it can be transferred far faster than current fiat currency because it doesn't need a bank as a clearing agent. Now, whether or not you believe all this is gonna happen or not, it's better to be safe than sorry. So here's five things that you can do right now to be able to protect yourself and profit from the coming crash. The first thing is to diversify your cash itself. There are many banks out there you can go to now that will actually set up multiple currency accounts. For both my companies and also personally, I have accounts in US dollars, in euros, in yen, in Australian dollars, and Singapore dollars. By splitting your cash, it allows you to make sure that if one starts to go down, then you're still hedging your money against those that might still be going up. The second thing is where your cash actually is stored. Do not be in a country where there's a chance that the banking system itself is going to collapse. Smaller companies with stable systems actually are better. We've set up all of our accounts in Singapore because Singapore has been controlling not just the coronavirus, but actually its entire economic system all through this crisis. It's surprisingly easy to set up an account in Singapore or even set up a company in Singapore as well. That's all you do, just Google it, look for it, and just don't assume that you have to keep all your money in your own country. The third thing, obviously, is to diversify into assets which are hedged against the dollar. That includes gold, silver, Bitcoin, and any asset where you know that if the dollar drops, that these are assets are gonna grow in value. The fourth step, even more so than those assets, are cash generating assets. As many of you know, right now, we are focusing at an acquisition strategy where we are buying cash flow driven companies. And what that does is allow us to make sure no matter what's happening to asset values, we always are going to be growing our cash flow. And the final thing is debt itself. When you know the currency is going down, taking more debt actually is a good thing. If I have money in yuan and I have debt in US dollars and the US dollar drops against the yuan, it means relatively I owe less. And ultimately with whatever strategy you choose, the most important thing is answering this question. Would I be okay if the US dollar halved in value? Once you've got a strategy where that works for you, then you can just get on with your life knowing that even with a crash, you're gonna be okay. Everything I've done, everything we've done in the company has been set up for exactly that scenario. The way to be crisis proof is to know you're gonna be okay in the crisis and the way to be crash proof is to know you're gonna be okay in a crash. I'm with Ray Daly on this. I believe this is gonna be a two or three year thing before we see this happening. Maybe faster, maybe slower. And if it doesn't happen at all, well, we've lost nothing. Always better to be prepared for the worst and hoping for the best. Now, by the way, I've dropped all the links below to raise chapters if you'd like to go and read them. If you like this video, if you have, please click a like and do subscribe so that I can keep you up to date with all the latest that's happening as we go through this crisis. And by the way, if you're interested in more, I've done this video, which allows you to see exactly how this crash is part of a three-wave crisis from, first of all, consumer debt, then corporate debt, and then finally, sovereign debt. And another video about how this was all predicted in the fourth turning and exactly what we can be expecting in the coming years. And with that, I'm gonna leave you with this Ray Dalio quote, which is about thinking about the big picture. He says it's more important to do big things well than small things. That to me is a very powerful video, but it's Roger James Hamilton, Dollar Crash Prediction is the name of the video. And as I say, we will publish what it is. Okay, so why, why did we show this? Of course, you know, I care uh, about my family. I know you care about yours. And so we have something here that we think responds to number four, which is this whole idea of having a cash flow investment. Now, what's interesting is here, we're developing a marketplace so that people can invest in water equipment, which itself will be a cash flow asset, right? An asset that generates cash. 
which is one of the five things that Hamilton proposes, okay? So here is what we call a corporate bond. We're not offering stock. It's not dependent upon the stock market. Why? Because when you redeem the principal and when you redeem the stock grant, it's priced at the time you convert. Whatever the stock has done, up or down, it is what it is. So it is you're, you're in a corporate bond where you're paid 12% cash in the stock and you get this back end. What you're also doing is, here's what's important. You're building a thing itself that is a cash generating asset system, which is the water marketplace. And that to us is what you might call a double value here. And it's, I don't think it's the only one in the marketplace today. You can make 12% on your money and there's this huge back end. If you want to do the math on two years, it would work out to about 75% gains if you liquidate it after two years, which I'm not going to say you would. And then, of course, there's, we can't guarantee there'd be the liquidity for it, but it works out to about 75% per year, all in, everything included, if you cashed out after two years. And that's without the stock doing anything with the stock going up, it's all other game. So why are we doing this? It's because you are the most important factor right now. If you're an accredited investor or you are a foreign investor, then you can get this offering and do very well with it. To discuss it further, I would like to propose that you speak to Ken Berenger, our amazing architect of all this. I blame him for everything. And of course, Devin Angus is the shareholder relations manager who is also my assistant and is a direct line to me. You can email invest.originclear.com and you can type oc.gold slash Ken for a call with Ken to beat him up about everything we've said here. So Ken Berenger says, please don't hesitate to set up a Zoom call with me at oc.go slash Ken. I will walk you through how you can participate. A person who's named Note, it's, it's probably a real person, not, Note is not who they are. I am from Chile. I would like to get into, I would like to look into this. I'd like it to look into more details. We can certainly help you. And what's great about you uh, from Chile is that you don't have to qualify as an accredited investor, which is a great thing. Well, that is all. Uh, thank you very much. Michaels, what is maximum salinity that Ponster can handle for no scaling compatibility with microbes? Salinity will probably require, Dan, I think you're, I'm right in saying adding reverse osmosis to handle the total dissolved solids. Uh, the, the system will work in certain um, saline situations and seawater situations. It will have ap application because you do see biological, natural biological processes in ocean environments. We're right now, everything we do is geared towards primarily towards fresh water. So that's where our focus has been. Uh, time will tell. We'll probably have some experience later on down the road when we have applications with, uh, with, um, south, with um, high saline environments. Yes. Right now we're dealing with organic waste, sewage. And that is, that is the environment we're in right now. Ponds with algae or um, like retention ponds. Uh, it's going to have a future dealing with, with uh, things like red algae and green algae, but also it's going to be um, primarily used for uh, hog farm uh, manure. So very nasty stuff, but generally organic with only trace amounts of minerals and so forth. That is correct. Good. Well, thank you very much, everyone. I really appreciate it. We're going to wrap it up now as I'm starting to lose people. It's been wonderful once again. Uh, I love these, uh, these shows and love talking to you all. Thank you, Tom, for joining us as well. And Dan, it's been a pleasure. Have a great week. Enjoy your weekend.
Stay safe for everyone.